So good morning, everyone. Uh, I was just thinking while uh, we were worshiping there, I was like just relaxing in the back and looked around and seen so many people just in this place of, um, not say irreverently, chilling with Jesus, but like just this beautiful sense of the presence of the Lord. Um, with, it brought me back to where Saul brought in David to play the harp because he just needed to still his mind and the torment that was going on inside. And there's a sense of that this morning as the guys played and just worshipped that there was stuff that the Lord was wanting to do within us to bring stillness and restoration and draw us back to him. Uh, this morning, I, uh, I just want to bring uh, a, a talk, um, and it's things that I've been working through myself, I've been reading through, praying about, and uh, it's going to be a bit of a whirlwind with regards to uh, a few key points, but what I want you to do is to, Lila's already got it out, I want you to take some notes, that's why I've put the key things up on the screen, because instead of just listening to what I'm saying this morning, I want you to go home this week and to do some more digging yourself. So I want to give you some um, key things to transformation. I'm going to ask you some questions, but then what I want you to do is spend some time this week just asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you about these things in places where transformation is not occurring as it should or places where the Holy Spirit wants to lead you further and deeper. I want you to talk it through with people at home or wherever you are. We can't go to coffee shops, but whatever it may be, I want us to be more than just listening to something on a Sunday. And so... Um, Transformation. What does personal transformation look like in everyday life? That's what I want to look at briefly this morning. But uh, forgive me, I'm going to try and multitask. Uh, I'm not good at that. So if I forget to put a slide up, give me a wee shout. Um, transformation, the definition in the dictionary is a marked change in form, nature, or appearance, a metamorphosis during the life cycle um, of certain creatures. The process of changing completely the character or appearance of something in order to improve it. So in the, the definition of the dictionary, it shows me that transformation is making something better. It's making something new. There are stages to it. And if we're talking about it in the Christian faith, for you and I, I believe that I was starting to be transformed before I even encountered Jesus. There was something happening in me where things started to change, desire started to align with God before I got to that moment where in what we know in Northern Ireland of get on your knees and say the sinner's prayer. And there's a lot of stuff that we could talk about around that. But at that moment where I realized my need for Jesus, I believed I was already in a process of transformation. But after that, so much more transformation begins. Uh, that's why I'm wearing this T-shirt this morning from New City Church, because their slogan is, look, uh, Revelation 21.5, look, I am making everything new. So I believe that once we encounter Jesus and give our lives to him, we are in the process of this new creation. Um, in Ephesians 2, 
The title of it is God's Power at Work Within Us. And I think this is the key to transformation, that it's not all about our efforts. It's the power of God that is at work within us. And so at the start of Ephesians 2, um, he's saying before you're running after your sin, you're running after religious customs, values of the world. But verse 6, he says this, but then you were raised up in Christ. Something happened to you in this process and you moved from one place to the other and it wasn't like that. A lot of us, sometimes there are people that encounter Jesus like Paul, boom, and there is a massive transformation overnight. But for the majority of us, for me anyway, the transformation takes years. And you know what? Sometimes tomorrow we're as bad as we were 10 years ago and something happens again and we encounter Jesus. That's a whole process. But Ephesians 2, 13 to 14, it says this, yet look at you now, everything is new. Although you were once distant and far from God, now you have been brought delightfully close to him through the sacred blood of Jesus. You have actually been, this is the key, united to Christ. Our reconciling peace is Jesus. He has made Jew and non-Jew one in Christ. He has brought unity by dying as our sacrifice. He has broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us and has now made us equal through our union with Christ. What a beautiful verse. So new things have a purpose. And their purpose is to be renewed and restore and give that renewing and restoring away to other people. It also means this to me. It gives me new direction and puts me on a certain path. So this morning in here, can you tell me some examples of what transformation can look like in our lives? Shout it out. I know you don't usually do this, but you're doing it this morning. Shout it out. What does transformation look like spiritually and physically in you and me? What's the difference? Brilliant. Peace. Yeah, hope. Anything more? It's hard to get it wrong. Joy. We need to tell lots of people about the joy thing. Love. Yeah, kindness, self-control. <laughs> this corner is very vocal this morning. <laughs> so for, for with some of the things I've wrote down here, there is a difference in the way we do these things. There is a difference in the way we carry joy, we carry hope because of the transformation that is happening because of Jesus Christ living within us. Our generosity changes, our patience changes sometimes, our faithfulness, our honesty, our trustworthiness, our giving, our authenticity, our respect, our outlook, our openness, our care, our affection, our tolerance, our unity, our commitment to people, our commitment to doing good, love, joy, peace, the influence that you have as a friend, the influence that you have as a spouse, the influence you have as a worker, and so on and so on and so on. All these places are impacted by the transformation of the new creation of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit that lives and resides in you. Is that not exciting? But it's also scary because of this that we, sometimes we feel we have to live up to. But actually, it's a joy to be in this process of transformation because here's the key. I don't believe that transformation is about the facts. It's not about knowing how to do this. It's not about having it all together. It's about living a life that is full of wisdom as we look at the life of Jesus. So transformation comes through pursuing wisdom and not facts. 
It is the formation to the image of Jesus by practicing the ways of Jesus. It's by looking at the Word of God and seeing how did Jesus live this out. And the key is this. Transformation is living a life patterned after Jesus. Living a life patterned after Jesus. That's how simple this is. How did he do it? Living a life patterned after Jesus. You know, me and Nicola, if you know us, we love like these shows, My 600 Pound Life and the, the diet shows. And there's these ones that they do these, these four different diets where, hello, my name's Sandra. I want to lose uh, 40 pounds in, in three weeks. And you come back to Sandra in three weeks' time. Hope there's no Sanders in here. And uh, she's lost 10 pounds because, oh, I give up the first week. I had a chippy. And it's, it, that's the reality of it. We are all looking at quick fix. We want change now. But you know what happens when we encounter Jesus? This transformation, he's in no rush. It's okay to get it wrong. Transformation is a process that we have to be willing to commit to for our own sake and for the sake of others. So let me get into these uh, things. Number one, transformation happens through vision. Write it down. Transformation happens through vision. I can put these up later also. So change begins with new vision. It begins with... Uh, beliefs that are changed, perspectives that are changed. The counterculture of heaven comes in as we take time to hear the Holy Spirit and get the vision of having heaven. I've, put, I've wrote this down uh, um, for this. It is taking time to notice his loving presence. Because when you take time to let the Holy Spirit in and to notice the loving presence of God in your life, he starts to give you visions. He starts to give you dreams. He starts to change the way you think and the desires that you have. Transformation happens through vision. I, th I thought as I was writing this down about Madlug, um, Dave Linton, as some of you may know him in here, that started Madlug Baggage down um, on Stonebridge near our shop there at Stonebridge. Um, so... He had this vision years ago. And I remember uh, Neil and I met with uh, Dave Linton in the old tin house uh, in Portadown. And he said, I've had this vision. I have 500 pounds in my pockets to do it, but I want to do it. I believe I need to do it because he had heard from God. He calls it his black bag moment. He watched a video where he seen that foster kids, most of them, when they were being moved from house to house, they had to put their stuff into a black bin liner. And he thought no child should have to do that. I want to bring change. What happened? He had took enough time to notice the loving presence of his father. It transformed his vision. It transformed his heart. And when he seen a need and an injustice, he done something about it. Transformation happens through vision. So what are you willing to do this morning with your newness? What are you willing to do with what God has placed in you to create Fresh vision. What are you filling your thoughts with? What are you filling your time with? What do you need to do this week to create space for the kingdom vision to influence and infiltrate your thoughts and your minds and your desires to inspire you, to spark something alight and think, I want to bring change to that. What about Ronnie? What was the first time you went to Burkina Faso? People probably thought he was crazy because he had to go through, was it Ghana or something? And travel hours and hours and hours and bus. And people were being sick and all the other things that go with that. Going into the unknown, meeting people that they didn't really know. But put your hands up now if you have been influenced by Burkina Faso and by Etienne. 
How many in this room? Somebody had vision and followed the vision. And people's lives are being transformed, not just the one that had the vision. Transformation happens through new experience. Number two, I better keep going. Transformation happens through new experience. So vision leads to this. Action brings true understanding of what it means to practice the ways of Jesus. So it's no good just reading what you have in your hand. It's no good just hearing from the Holy Spirit if you're not actually going to do if you're not going to physically respond to what the Word of God is telling you, to what the Spirit of God is telling you in your life. It's time to risk new things. It's time to go to new places, to meet new people. Some of us, this is easier than others to do this. And do you know what, do you know what I found in this? Your experience can create space for change in you, but also in others. As you experience something new, you start to tell others who start to come along with you. How many in here have tried the keto diet in the last month or two months? Who started that? Seriously. Half the country's on it now because Ronnie and Neil started it. We have influence in our new experiences because we get excited and we tell people and we spread the word. Transformation happens through new experiences. Mark Scandretti, he says that new experiences challenge our assumptions and beliefs. They help us face our fears and surprise us with resources and strength that we didn't know we had. How many of you have been surprised when you've done something new, you were terrified to do it, but you'd done it, and afterwards you're like, oh my goodness, that was really good. Really enjoyed that. Or if you went uh, with, uh, there was a stag do a few months ago, I went to the high ropes course. I experienced that and I will never do it again. It, hadn't, it hasn't changed me. I just know I don't want to do it again. Experiences bring transformation. So <laughs> here's, the, here's the last thing for that. The scriptures become more alive and relevant to us when we can connect them with people and places. When you can read in the word of God about someone being healed and you can connect that with, my goodness, I prayed for someone last week and I seen the exact same thing that Jesus done. It becomes alive. It brings transformation. It creates hunger. So the question for that is, where are you taking risks to have new experiences? Where are you taking risks to have new experiences? Number three, are you still with me? Transformation happens through establishing new patterns of thought and actions. Transformation happens through establishing new patterns of thought and actions. Do you know we are, by our very nature creatures of habits. Is that right? Creatures of habits that have inherited behaviors. Sometimes I see my dad, my dad and me, and I haven't lived with my mom and dad since I was 17. I do things with my, yeah, I cross my legs and do things with my hands. I, I say things, I'm like, that's just my dad. Not a bad thing. But we inherit things. We inherit responses. We inherit mindsets, perspectives. And you know what? That ultimately leads to our actions. So as new creations, what does it look like to be transformed in this area with the way we think, with our actions? How do we break patterns of thought, behavior, and actions? Now, that's a massive subject, but I'm going to plant the tiniest little seed today. That's it. And you can go away. There's a lot better people qualified to do this than me. But can I suggest that we start small? So for me, I love my food. If you know me, you know that. I love my food. 
certain things I love. I have patterns and rituals with what I eat and when I eat it and craving it. But so for me, can I suggest and for you that you fast weekly to break the cycle of consumption? It's a start. It starts to break the dependence on food and helps you to focus on the Father for that short time. Can I suggest that you create patterns of time in the Word and time with the Father that you hold dearly and you hold tightly and that you don't let change? That you crave those times with Him because those are things that will start to create and establish new patterns of thought about yourself and about others. Can I suggest, and we're going to talk about this a wee bit later, that you ask trusted friends to help you be aware of things in your life that these old patterns of thinking and doing are holding you back. Now, I'm not just talking any Tom, Dick, or Harry. I'm saying people that you respect and trust and that will be loving towards you. It's not saying things in love. It's saying things from a place of deep love and respect for you. It's easy to say, oh, I'm saying this in love to you, and you don't have a clue about their story. You haven't walked in their shoes. You don't have a clue about what they're going through. That's the difference. That's the small things. The question for this is, what can I do this week to create healthy patterns, to break unhealthy ones, and to think and respond differently in my actions? Okay, I told you it's going to be a whirlwind, so we're not going too deep into these this morning. The fourth one is this. Transformation happens through group encounter, community, and reflection. Transformation happens through group encounter in community and reflection. Please forgive me if there's any spell mistakes. I've done this late last night. Joan Chichester says this. It is in community that we come to see God in the other it is in community that we see our own emptiness filled up. It is in community, or it is community that calls me beyond the pitched horizon of my own life, my own country, my own race, and gives me the gifts that I do not have within me. This is what community does. Wendell Berry said that I believe the community is the, in the fullest sense a place and all its creatures is the smallest unit of health, and that to speak, speak of the health of an isolated individual is a contradiction in terms. Now, what does that mean? It took me a few times to read that. It means this. Really, if in solidarity, you cannot be healthy. Or solidarity, yeah, that's the right word, isn't it? No, what's the word for? Solitude, that's the one, thank you. My brain's nearly in gear this morning. In solitude, you cannot be healthy. If you think as a Christian that you can walk this life alone, and I'm not just talking because you can't, I'm talking about people that believe, I can do this by myself. I have the Holy Spirit in the Bible. I can do this journey. No. We need each other. We need community. We need people around us that want the best for us. And so God created us to walk this process in community, to learn together, to hold each other accountable, to build each other up, to champion each other on, to chat through and process these things together in life. Because so many times I've had my thinking changed in a moment because of hearing a perspective that I think, wow, I've never heard that before. We need to take time to process this together and to enter into each other's stories. Why do you think the way you do? 
I think we can learn so much by stopping and listening to each other. Uh, Jared Bias, in his book, Love Matters More, that Neil also had me reading, uh, tells us that Jesus asked 307 questions in the Bible. Didn't give us the answers for them, but he asked them. He, uh, he was asked 183 questions, and he directly answered three of them. It's almost as if Jesus wasn't interested in giving answers as much as he was in making us as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves, growing, into, uh, growing us into people who make informed, wise decisions. What is that? Reflection. He wants us to be people that learn how to reflect, how to grow together. Working together as one. So question is this, what can I do this week to actively be a part of community? Now it's harder and harder than ever because we, we can't, aren't going to be able to meet like this, but there are ways and means in which we can do this. How can you actively be a part of community? And is there someone you can help, I have written it down here properly, that is in isolation? Is there someone that you can help that's in isolation to become a part of a community because this is where transformation takes place. Number five, transformation happens through good examples and guidance. I want to read a, a passage this morning from Acts 15 and I'll explain the context once I read it. So Acts 15, 36 to 40. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each, each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. So why am I reading this passage? Number five is transformation happens through good examples and guidance. I believe this of Barnabas. Barnabas was a pusher of transformation. The passage that I read was... Uh, after John Mark had deserted Paul. So imagine they're in the middle of a missionary journey, in the middle of nowhere, and uh, Mark would have been the one that was taking down all the notes, writing down the accounts of what was happening, and he says, here, listen, Paul, I'm off. I can't be bothered with this. We don't know the true context. That's the, my translation of it. And he disappears off back to Jerusalem, and Paul is left without a sidekick. Now, he was pretty peeved, because I would say Paul was a hard enough guy to work for. He was intense, he was on, you know, he was always, I think he's this kind of guy, he was always on, always wanting to go to the next tent mission and build his tents, whatever it may be, and he left them high and dry. And so we get to the next point, and Barnabas, Barnabas, this great man of encouragement and love is what I would see him as, says, listen, Paul, uh, I don't care what he'd done, I want to have his side, because I still see something in him. And you know what? You need to learn from these events. Paul was a pusher of transformation. And I can imagine on that second missionary journey that Barnabas took John Mark by the side and said, Right, son, why on earth did you disappear off? What was going on with you? I can imagine that there was conversations of, 
what was going through his head, the fears, the reason why he's left. And again, when he came back having a conversation with Paul, right, Paul, here's the truth of it. This guy is great and you need him. What are you going to do about it? We all need someone like Barnabas in our lives. We need someone that will challenge us. We need someone that we can walk on the journey with. We need someone that we can vent to, that we can let off steam with. And we need someone ultimately that will help us transform into godly men and women. Remember what Paul said? Do as I do. We're so humble now in our society that we would never say do as I do. But I wouldn't say it because I don't think I'm enough like Jesus. But Paul said do as I do because Jesus is living inside of me. Um, later on in 2 Timothy 4.11, Paul says this, ask for Mark because he is helpful in my ministry. Something happened in the process. William James Jennings says this of Barnabas. It was Barnabas who set Paul's hand to the right plow in Antioch, making him co-laborer in the new work among the Gentiles. Barnabas was a bridge for Paul from the old to the new. If the apostles had named him the son of encouragement, then Luke's narrative names him risk-taker, because Barnabas seemed to always make a heavy wager on people. And see, as I was preparing for this morning, I felt this, this was the key in all of this this morning. We all need someone in our lives that will place a heavy wager on us. No matter how much you think about yourself, we all need someone in our corner that we know will fight it no matter what. That we know will be honest with us and tell us the truth, but will always love us unconditionally. So who do you have in your life? Do you have a mentor? Do you have people that you can accept guidance from? If not, this is the time to start asking and praying. This is the time to start talking to people that maybe you think could be that in your life. And I want to honor um, some people that do that for me. Obviously, I've got my wife. She always keeps me right. But will not be, uh, she's not too shy and tell me when I've done something wrong and then always being there in love. And I want to honor somebody else, we Neville. Neville's always there, always listens when I'm venting and then tells me what's rubbish and what's not, puts you back in the right path, keep going. Even this morning when he was coming in, he says, I'm really looking forward to hearing you. You don't know what stuff like that does. Do you have someone in your life like that? that champions you and pushes you, encourages you, and will always have your back. We're nearly there. Transformation happens through failure, setbacks, mistakes, and persistence. I believe we are called to walk in transformation. What does walking mean? Think of yourself. Well, you can't really think of yourself when you're a little child. Think of little children that are walking. It takes time, it takes practice, and it takes commitment. Doing it over and over and over. And you know that failure is usually the place where we get the best and hardest questions that we need to wrestle with in life. They bring transformation to us. We learn and we grow as much from our failures as we do our successes. 
And you know what? When we are engaging and walking in this newness, we are going to make mistakes. I don't count it as failure, but because when you don't give up, it's just trial and error. I'll try and see if this works. Even this morning, Neil and I were talking. I always have my notes done with highlighted in different colors. And Neil has his scribbled on a page in writing that you can't read. I couldn't do it the way he does it. I, he couldn't do it the way I do it. We all do things differently. We all have ways of thinking that are different to each other. We all have things that we will maybe fail on and others won't. But it's a time for persistence. Do you know when we're trying um, new things, when we're in this process of transformation patterned after the life of Jesus, it is going to get messy. But that's okay. Think of the caterpillar. Before it becomes a beautiful butterfly, it explodes into a mess within the cocoon. When we're doing this as a community, there is inevitably going to be conflict. But you know what happens in conflict when it's walked through correctly? It can bring growth and transformation. As we communicate wisely, as we come from a place of humility and love to each other with the mistakes that we are inevitably going to make, the wrong turns that we make. And what I have found the key responses are, and are very hard to do sometimes, are, I was wrong. Who finds that easy to say? I'm sorry. What's your opinion on this? It's hard to ask sometimes. And so on and so on. So I'll leave you with that one. Number seven. Second last one. Transformation into the likeness of Christ happens by the power of the Spirit. None of what I'm talking about today is possible without the power of the Holy Spirit working within us as our new creations on this journey of transformation. Mark Sarah again says that the Spirit is at work anytime transformation into Christ-likeness takes place. We are invited to do whatever we can to surrender to the work of the Spirit in us and pray and expect God's kindness to also lead others towards transformation. Do you know what I love? I love celebrating those times whenever something happens in you or you respond in a certain way or you do a certain thing and you think, I wouldn't have done that this time last year. Or that wasn't me. Does anybody else get that? Where something happens, those, those are things to celebrate because it's the spirit at work within you. But equally on the other side, there are things that we do or patterns that we have or cycles that we have and we think, oh, I still don't want to be in this place. And we equally need to be asking the Holy Spirit, what triggers those moments? where I am not walking a life patterned with Jesus? What happens? What's triggered me to be like that, to behave like that, to respond like that, to talk like that? Celebrate those great moments where transformation happens through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And the question is this, what can I do this week to be more in tune with the Spirit of God for this, my sake and for the sake of others around me? Are you ready? This is the last one. No cheer. Okay. Last one. Number eight. Transformation is rooted in the heart. And quite simply, you either want the Spirit of God at work within you to transform you, or you don't. Are you willing 
for the Spirit of God to enter in and start the chains and work in partnership? Or are you going to keep ignoring what he's placed within you? Are you happy just with the, the patterns that you're in? Or do you want the fullness that he talks about? Do you want people to encounter the living Jesus when they meet you? Do as I do, as Paul said. Are you happy continuing to walk the way you are? I'm not saying this in a bad way. I'm asking myself these questions. Second Peter 1, 5, it says, So devote yourself to lavishly supplementing your faith with goodness, and to, and to goodness add understanding, and to understanding add the strength of self-control, and to self-control add patient endurance, and to patient endurance add godliness, and to godliness add mercy, towards your brothers and sisters and to mercy towards others add unending love since these virtues are already planted deep within and you possess them in abundant supply they will keep you from being inactive or fruitless in your pursuit of knowing Jesus Christ more intimately everything I've talked about this morning has been planted within you it is there ready and waiting to be released by the power of the Holy Spirit living within you? Are you willing to enter into the process, to have the patient endurance to keep getting up when you're knocked down? Because remember what we started with. It's God's power at work in you as a new creation. Amen. Nobody finishing? Needle disappeared. Let me pray then. And uh, actually, Janet, you come on up and pray. You're looking very. You're looking like you want to pray there. Yes, Father Lord, we just um, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you, um, Lord, that your heart is for us, and that, Lord, you love us as we are, but you just um, you long for us to be transformed more like Jesus, Father, and. We just thank you for, Lord, this word that we've heard this morning. We thank you, um, Lord, that we can do it by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us, Father. Lord, just begin with our hearts, Father. And, um, yeah, Lord, just day by day and bit by bit, Father, that we would just um, just be transformed into beautiful butterflies, Father. Lord, we just thank you for your love um, and your goodness in our lives. Be with us today. Um, keep us safe. Um, in your name we pray. Amen.